The following podcast contains subject matter that may be unsuitable for more sensible viewers. Views expressed here do not reflect that of any community that you would want to be a part of. Listener discretion is mandatory. Mama, what does chickens mean? No, 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 no! Welcome back to this week's episode of Tranifesto, the show that would like to remind you that no, striped socks don't go with everything. Please, for the love of God, just have a pair, but use them responsibly. Uh, anyways, a uh, bit of a weird start to the episode this week. Um, we, well, we recorded normally, and we usually use this little backup online recording buddy named Craig, and Craig has usually never let us down, um, but oh boy, did Craig let us down this time. And so uh, because of that, we are missing the first couple minutes of this episode because we do have a guest this week, uh, Dylan Morris Greenberg, a lots of things, creative and efficient uh, video director, a cinematographer, editor. Uh, she has done works for Troma, a trauma of toxic Avenger fame um, and uh, musician and just all around amazing and talented person. She's also been featured recently uh, with acting work in the uh, Lloyd Kaufman's new film, Shakespeare Shitstorm, which looks fucking amazing. And shout out, and we absolutely need to cover that film just for fun. Uh, so yeah, uh, we did have a guest this week. Uh, like I said, some of the audio got cut off, so we're going to kind of jump into the episode here. But before we do, uh, the part that's missing is actually the synopsis, which is, you know, great. So just quickly, I'm going to go ahead and give a brief overview of the film. So this week, uh, we are reviewing the uh, film directed by and produced by William Castle, uh, written by Rob White, uh, the 1961, we'll call it uh, horror thriller, Homicidal, uh, an absolutely amazing piece of film, and we'll get into that shortly. But uh, yeah, we should go over the plot. This is a bit awkward because I'm usually the one that doesn't do the plot summaries. So I'm not as good at it as Amy and Ree. Uh, but I uh, assume they're both drunk currently as I can't get a hold of them. Uh, so me being the most sober one here, I will try to do my best. Uh, basically, it is a, yeah, it's a ally to kind of a psycho uh, film. So you basically have uh, a woman named Emily. Uh, basically one night goes into a hotel checks in there's a bellboy she convinces the bellboy to get married that night because she drops a fat stack of cash you know it was at least twelve hundred dollars which is in the 50s enough to i don't know buy delaware does that goes to the fucking um just as the piece at midnight because that was something that had to happen they stab she stabs the justice of the peace when they get there um and then takes off into the middle of the night and there's only like a mild hoopla about that whole thing because I guess it's the 1950s and murder had just been invented. The police basically figure out that Emily gave a fake name of a local flower shop owner named Miriam Webster. It's revealed that Miriam and her brother Warren, who has recently returned from Denmark after the death of his last surviving parent, are heirs to Warren's father's estate. Um, It's kind of alluded to like how Warren's father was abusive to Warren growing up and the details of the will are kind of revealed as well. Uh, Miriam stands to inherit the estate if Warren dies before marrying as Warren's father was a misogynist who went out of his way to make Warren his sole heir so that only a male child of his could inherit. Miriam also confesses to Warren good news of her own that she is engaged to be married to her boyfriend. Um, So that evening, Emily uh, breaks into Miriam's flower shop, wrecks havoc in the store. Uh, she's interrupted by Miriam's boyfriend, though, who comes to the store because he didn't know that Miriam had left early that evening. Miriam and her boyfriend arrive at Warren's house the next day to visit Helga. Helga is kind of like the live-in um, old lady there that uh, Emily is taking care of. Oh, by the way, Helga knows what the fuck's up, but she has no voice. Um, so she can't really uh, tell people what's going on. Again, 1950s, I guess they had invented fucking writing shit down on paper. Miriam's boyfriend learns of the murdered justice of the peace, though, and that Emily resembles the suspect. Miriam ultimately goes to visit Warren and Emily, having realized that Emily is a murderer. Surprise! She enters the house and sees Helga descending the staircase on a stairlift. And basically, uh, as she gets to the bottom, uh, Miriam's fucking severed head falls off her body, which is fucking awesome. Um... And then she's attacked by uh, Emily. The two fight, Emily and Miriam. And Emily removes the wig and prosthetics, revealing herself to be Warren. So, ba-ba-ba! Afterward, the police talk to Miriam as the truth about Warren is revealed. Warren was really a girl. 
The secret of the child's gender was known only to the child's mother, Helga the housekeeper, and the county clerk, who was the justice of the peace they murdered earlier, who had been bribed to enter the birth as a boy. This was mainly done to avoid the murderous wrath of Warren's father, who wanted a boy and would have harmed the child. Emily was an alternate identity Warren had created overseas to be able to live as a woman away from those who knew him. When Warren's father died and he learned of the clause in the will that would have denied him his inheritance if it was known he was female, he resumed the alter ego of Emily in order to kill and silence those who would know the truth about him. Um, so yeah, just a really brief uh, summary. I don't want to do too long. So uh, without further ado, here is uh, uh, us getting into uh, dissecting the film Homicidal. All right, cool. Sorry. Um, perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, like before we even get into the, uh, the, the dissecting the trans narrative, is it good? Is it bad? What's it all about? Um, just the movie as itself, like watching it a second time. Um, I loved it like a lot more than the first time. I yeah. liked it the first time, but second going through again, I'm like, this is actually quite impressive. A movie, especially for like sort of B movie of that era, like the, the way it deals with gender but also just like it's fun and it's compelling yeah. and has like it's it's this fun like murder mystery that unravels in a very compelling and coherent way and even the beginning where it's just uh it's uh william castle uh doing the introduction and fucking like cross stitching the word homicidal <laughs> onto like a fucking loom like the way because like i got kind of you know glenn or glenda vibes from this like in some point some parts maybe just because of like the themes and like the production of, of at the time but i feel like at the oh yeah i love glenn or glenn oh well of course yeah it's actually like weirdly woke for the time but yeah like on top of that like the this is good because it doesn't feel like it's insulting trans people like the way that yeah. some later stuff that's like oh they are doing this because they are crazy. Like it doesn't. It feels more. Or like, even psycho, frankly. Yeah, we'll say. Which yeah. Is, well, I think. The, I, I think with this one, I think what this what this one did was that like the transness was just like it was part of the ruse rather than the motivation for them to go psychotic. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it was like it took a secondary. Uh, it took a secondary narrative to what was actually going on. So it's like again, I. I yeah, I, I didn't find it necessarily offensive in any regard. It was just like, oh, okay, it's, I guess, a crazy trans person. Mm-hmm. But, like, it the, it wasn't because they were trans that they were crazy. They were crazy and they happened money. to be trans. I wonder if that yeah, was money. a... Yeah, sure. uh, I wonder if that was a byproduct of the time, though. Like, was it, like, gender nonconformity and stuff, something that didn't... Like, was obviously still stigmatized, but didn't have, like, the same yeah. sort of, like... But didn't have the same sort of, like cultural shame that that gave us you know the ace ventura type stuff back then and it was it might have been so out there that you could have like genuine fun with it yeah for sure in a way yes but like psycho is like contemporaneous with this movie and certainly it deals with gender in a much more like traditional crazy tranny type way whereas like this is much more grounded in like we're gonna tell a story that like we're sort of a gender like a, a a person with like uncertain or confusing gender identity is not crazy because of that. They're crazy because they're a rich kid. <laughs> yeah. 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 True. It's just about which will drive anybody insane. Yeah. This is this is actually yeah. about class. It's not about gender. Oh, this cl- this this film hella woke. No, but I, I I agree. Like it's it's I think it's just like it's come back to what I said. Like it was in Psycho. It was just again a good example. There is like oh it was just. You know, Norman was a crazy person, had gender issues, and this is how they chose to release it. Uh, and I think I like about this film over Psycho, and actually, now I give you a thought, I like this film more than Psycho. Wow. But I like this film just because, like, when it comes to the trans narrative, it's just, like, it's thrown in with everything else, and for the genre that it's in, it uses it well, rather than having to rely on that being the shock factor. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I guess I just like the way Psycho's shot and... Well, I mean, yeah, like, uh, yeah. in an artistic, artistically, Psycho's better. Yeah. Homicidal wouldn't exist without Psycho. The whole reason Homicidal yeah. exists oh, totally. was to capitalize on Psycho and capitalize on the fact that Robert Blot wasn't getting any, any, like, recognition after Psycho in, in with A movies or, or anything, you know, in the mainstream. So William Castle was kind of like, well, I'll just have you, you can write you know, my movies for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we'll push it as from the writer of Psycho. So people will just yeah. think it's at Alfred Hitchcock. And Yeah, and also, oh. like, sort of tapping into the exact same genre and, like, audience expectations as Psycho. 
Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, even like the, some of the scenes in here, like the breakdown inside the flower shop, I thought was. Oh, that part's great. It's yeah. great, and it's it's again, it's just it's fun. Like it's 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 like I mean, we've all had days like that. Totally. Where you just go into a flower shop and completely. You know, loses the mind, but like no, it was it was it was fun from start to end. Even though yeah, like, sure. um, and I guess like be, again, even before we get further into the trans representation, let's talk about that fright break since we're talking about the film yeah. as it is. So uh, the fright break is when it, at, towards the end of the movie, the uh, one of the protagonists is about to enter the house where a murder, uh, or at least several several murders, have just taken place, and Emily slash warren is inside waiting for them and basically the whole fucking film just stops and they say this is the fright break it's going to last i believe i believe it's i think if they said it's going to last 90 seconds you have 90 seconds to leave the theater if you're too scared and get a full refund on your ticket oh, fuck yes now here's where it got complicated there were people were le- um staying for two showings and then leaving after the second showing um, tr- to try to get a full refund after watching the whole movie. So they had to print different colored tickets for each time. And, oh. and then, because obviously they didn't actually want people to leave, if you left, then you had to go to the coward's corner. The coward's <laughs> corner... And get humiliated. Yes. The coward's corner was like this giant yellow part of a theater where they had like a nurse and a doctor and they would like take your pulse and escort you out and then William Castle's voice would apparently boom out on the speakers look at the cowards look at them look at them they're too afraid to finish the movie everyone like laugh at them basically uh, holy shit that's awesome yeah so holy fuck so, god we need stuff like that again yeah oh, bring well, it back I'm, please I'm trying to do something like that with my upcoming feature film I'm doing yeah um, oh, that's awesome! But, Please do. I'm so I'm, here for I'm it. I'm trying to have some. I mean, not exactly like that, but I'm trying to have a sort of a version of that, but for the 21st century, some gimmicks um, in, that, you, you can, uh, that you can actually do in the theater and at home. Are you at liberty to talk about them, or are they to well, be revealed? Well, so? they haven't been totally solidified yet, but it, it okay. involves it involves um, you'll actually be able to use your smartphone. It's going to be the first movie where you're encouraged to actually take out your phone during the film. I love that. Oh, finally. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Finally, yeah. a movie finally, for us, the millennials. A movie, yeah. A yeah. movie for Zoomers. <laughs> yeah, it's a mo- it's a movie for Zoomers. <laughs> uh, also, too, with that whole uh, fright break thing, there's another thing where to to draw the attention to the film. He offered every audience member a one thousand dollar life insurance policy from Lloyd's of London against the death by fright during the I, film. I don't think that was uh, homicidal. I think that was um, um, macabre. Oh, that was McCombie. Okay. No, you're right. You're so right. Another unless, one unless, of it was, unless it was both. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right. Yeah, it's just one of those things like he's apparently yeah. evolved the gimmick yeah. over the years. Well, that was the first McCobb was his first gimmick film, and that's what kind of made a name for him. Although it's not it's certainly not his yeah. best. See mm-hmm. now for like movie gimmicks, we really only have like people searching you for guns when you go see Joker. Which just doesn't <laughs> <laughs> It just doesn't have the same kind of like dramatic flair. It's not. They as were fun. only targeting white people though, so it's fine. I was gonna. They, uh, I was gonna say I the because just... uh, like the fright break, it surprised me so much when it came up. But, like I just had, I, I, I just started laughing. Like I couldn't help it. But also, <laughs> pretty great. Also, I was gonna say like I feel we. I think as... John Waters. I think John Waters said it's like his favorite um, gimmick. Well, John Waters is right. John Waters has impeccable yeah. taste. But I'm saying yes. that I feel like that we as a civilization, I, in order to reach a compromise with the right wing, I think we should agree to get rid of trigger warnings and replace and them with replace the fright break. Fright breaks, good idea. Yeah. So just oh, that'd be so good. Just, just imagine, imagine your yeah. your uh, teacher in you know like a uh, women's studies class and just you know reading like normal class and then just uh, gets to a point it's like this is the fright break. We are entering <laughs> the part that deals with complicated bodily autonomy issues. Anybody yeah. who wants to leave can leave. <laughs> but, but it's yeah, the yeah. same. It's the same. And then you have to go to the coward's corner. Yeah, you have to go to the coward's corner. It has to be Frank. It has to be Castle doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or so William Castle doing the voice. Over, yeah, he still has to be. T- he still has to be like, like, like he has to be his voice, like yelling at you. Yeah. And there's still a coward's corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely a coward's corner. 
All right, I think I think this is our proposal to you know completely end the trigger warning question once and for all. I think I think every, finally every, end the culture yeah, war. It, Everyone this, can get behind fight breaks. The other thing too is is that uh, I mean, in terms of gimmicks, like they don't exist as much anymore. But thinking about it now, they still exist for horror films to some degree. Uh, fucking what was it? A paranormal Activity series before that became a thing. Uh, one of the things they did was is that they had actual nurses in the fucking theater yeah, for the showings of it. Nurses, yeah. Oh, right, because I remember yeah. the commercials were all, oh, it was like, this is also, the scariest movie and, uh, you're going to... Okay, you, apparently, I just, I'm reading this now, apparently, that if you, if you had to leave the, the seat and there was literally, like, a yellow light that would, like, shine on you. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone could see your yeah, everyone could coward see you face. Coward, yeah. I just want that every time I make a bad decision. <laughs> you crossed. You crossed. There were there were yellow footsteps in that were to go up the aisle, and there were yellow lines that had the stenciled message: "Cowards keep walking." <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Holy shit! But yeah, like I mean, like even fucking was it hostile when that came out? They were saying like people were throwing up in buckets. So I don't know. Like I, I like the yeah. fucking forty-five second fright break. I love how wonderfully delightful this was baked you had into to, the film. Yeah. You had to, so, wait, I just want, you had to sign. I'm reading this. This is John Waters actually kept the most accurate record of this from his book Crackpot, which I read a few years ago. He said you had to sign a yellow card stating I am a bona fide coward. I mean, that's what I use instead of a pronoun tag. <laughs> <laughs> I just put that on my uh, pin yeah, mats in my clothes. Holy shit. Have any of you ever actually thrown up in a movie theater? Um, Not because of the movie, I've thrown no. up in the bathroom, but that was because of like smuggling in a bottle of Fireball. I was going to say Fireball. See, threw- it was Indiana Jones for me. I puked at um, Cloverfield just for motion sickness. That tracks. That movie is not... Um, watchable in a theater. Watch. No. I fucking hate those like really annoying like all over the place handy cam videos. It just it's annoying. Uh, what what movie? What uh, movie? Clo- Cloverfield. Oh, I loved the first one actually. Actually, well, I, I like both. I like that and the the the, the sort of like half sequel yeah. with John Goodman. I actually oh, was, I need, I need the, to watch the that sequel one. I Wasn't loved. There, I love I mean, the sequel. It's basically a different movie. Land. Yeah, Wasn't it's a totally there, different like, movie. A, wasn't there like a third one as well where it was oh, like in know. space? I don't care. There was, like, I, I it was a Netflix like, special. I don't like, there's not that many space movies. I like, if it's not like from like 1980 or before, I don't care about space. That is entirely fair. Then for the sake of this argument, there was only two. Yeah. Um, perfect. So yeah, like the film itself, lots of fun to watch. Um, but let's get into the, the, the meat and potatoes of it, which is uh, the meat and potatoes. Uh, and that is uh, the main character and the trans representation. Okay. Yeah, the, the gender question of... Warren. I mean, from my perspective, Warren is it seems quite comfortable being a man and only invented the Emily character as like a way of solidifying his like, control of his yeah, estate out of convenience, through murder. Almost. I, I I guess I have always viewed Emily as like a trans lady icon, but in the same way that I view Ozma from The Wizard of Oz. As a trans lady icon, yes. in that it's basically a woman that was forced to be a man from birth. Yeah, and then like acting out. Yeah, as I, a result of that. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Ozma from the Wizard of Oz. Please, the, not uh, the first, not please the first summarize. One. Yeah, elaborate on this take because it's interesting. Okay, so Ozma, so that's it's not from the first book. I believe it's from the from the characters. I actually did a whole analysis about this. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. It's it's the marvelous land of Oz. I was right. So, the so there's basically, a, um, a boy named Tip, and and it opens on on the boy named Tip, and Tip lives with this really mean witch. It's not the the same wicked witch because that you know that witch died. There's another witch named Mombi. Again, this is like this is for kind of more like hardcore Oz heads who've like read all the books. I was like, I was kind of like into Oz like most kids were into Harry Potter as a kid. Yeah, um, I read like the I first. I read, I read like the first one. I think only the first one, and it was a long time ago, so I never got. Yeah, that see, anymore. I, I, yeah, I was into like there's like at least like ten, fifteen that were written by actually like written by L. Frank Baum, and those ones are all pretty fucking tight. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, basically, um, Tip lives with with yeah this witch named Mombi, and then it's actually a kind of similar in that. Tip has to basically go on this adventure and then at the end basically finds out that they're actually 
Ozma the princess and that Mombi put a spell on on them to disguise them as Tip so that they wouldn't be able to claim their place on the throne. And it ends with essentially Tip going into this like magical room and then being put into a dreamless sleep and then emerging as like the like beautiful princess Ozma basically. Can, can we do an episode on this? I love that. Yeah, I kind of want to do that. Yeah, it's pretty great. Well, y'all have to read the... It's, it's, it's a pretty quick read. I mean, it's a kid's book. Yeah. I'm yeah, we can it. do that. We're open um, to books. Um, so yeah, the, the character uh, herself, though, like, because there was some discussion at the beginning of the episode about being, like, a fab trans woman, a mab trans man. Like, where do we think, like, does this fall into the non-binary category? Well, it's because part of it is the... Gender fluid, sorry. Because um, there is the transition by trauma narrative, like the fact that yeah, the, totally the the, yeah. the male identity was imposed by someone else, but they seem to have, you know, on the one hand, like you know, comfortably accepted the role, but on the other hand, clearly have you know some trauma that has caused this yeah. mental break. So it's kind yeah, of yeah. Because I mean, in the beginning of the film, you see warren like cutting the head off of his sister's dolls so clearly there's yeah. something fucked up going on there yeah and the doll that um apparently as a child he had stolen from his sister yeah um which sort of might have been like a, an expression of actually wanting to be a girl yeah there's also mm-hmm. like the fact like he talks a lot about how he had been like you know forced to fight like encouraged by his father to like fight with boys and like yeah. every time that he would be beaten up or would beat up on like other boys his dad would like encourage him and get excited about it because he really just wanted him to be a man yeah for sure yeah i think part of the 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 interesting thing i liked about that uh with that narrative is the fact that like it's still not focused on as what made them go insane again it was just a, a mechanism thrown into the film yeah um, but there is like it's never blamed too. yeah like and maybe that's like and that may not have been intentional that just may have been like the the limitations of b-movie films and like in the scripts that came with them and maybe they kind of left it for granted that people in the time maybe interpreted it as, um, like, because there was gender issues. Uh, that's what eventually led to it. But yeah. I don't know. Like, it was just, like, I, I think, like, the only thing that really threw me off was the fucking voiceovers uh, where the guy's mouth didn't Yes, move. He, was, he was dubbed, um, which yeah. was quite disorienting then, at first. Yeah, it's, re- it's, yeah, cause I think it's, it's like, really funny because you're kind of like, what the hell? Like, why is this dude dubbed? Why is- yeah, because the first time I watched it, I didn't pick up on that, and I was just like, I kept looking at their mouth. I'm like, is something wrong? Like, I kept thinking my computer was broken or something. I was like, why is the mouth off? It's so freaky. And that fucking ventriloquist face, it's just. Ugh. Yeah, he looks and um, sounds like a ventriloquist dummy. Well, and like he puts in like this sort of, um, like prosthetic under his like gums. Yeah, there's this weird prosthetics for his teeth. It's very weird. Yeah. Which for a second I was trying to figure out if this was like an archaic racist like caricature because it like Oh no of white people. No, no I mean it kinda like... it, it kinda has a little bit yeah, of no, like, I, you know, I, early the turn of the century yellow face vibes. Totally, mm. but no, it's actually just like a really unsettling um betrayal of a white guy that like almost feels like a Tim and Eric thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like actually y'all have y'all seen the Tim and Eric Crimbus special? No. no. Okay, well, the way that they dress in that is they basically wear wigs of their own hair and prosthetics <laughs> of their own teeth. That's fantastic. Yeah, so it's like it's like pretty yeah, jarring. Yeah, I, I just Googled it. That's exactly right. That's sad. I feel like they, they did a better job on, like, the sort of drag king look on Warren than, like, um, The Assignment did. For instance, like they they did make yeah that actually came out the assignment, the assignment? oh yes it did oh oh my god the, that was it is one, one of our favorite films. Rodriguez? yes yes yeah. oh it's it so is good. a nightmare of a movie I did not even remember that coming out I, I mean, I'm assuming it had a pretty oh. limited release right? oh yeah I yeah. I firmly yeah, it looks, believe it looks really bad no I firmly believe <laughs> that the assignment should be the room for trans people. It is yeah. so it fun. Is, it is so much fun to watch in a group. Like it just like you, if you had a chance, watch it because like it's it's this wonderful balance of like they obviously researched everything and they got some really good insight into like being trans and the process, and then they just did this weird fucked up shit with the script. There's another it one. That's so another good. one where it's an AFAB trans man. God, it's such a fucking nightmare. I movie. like that. I like that they like had to keep changing the title because it was so bad. So there's it's Wait, ultimately. What? Yeah, it's alternately called Tomboy, A Revenger's oh, Tale. I remember that. I remember Holy that, yeah. shit, that would have been that's, way better. That would have been better. 
I mean, it would have been still awful, but <laughs> like I, I appreciate it as an awful movie, and like I want them to have just leaned into it really hard. Yeah. Plus, Sigourney oh, well, Weaver was in it. Yeah, so. Sigourney Weaver's part in it is yeah. like it's it's an insane. It wants to be like a weird art film mixed with an action film mixed with like a trying to have some profound comic book trans narrative with like weird comic book bits like honestly if you can make some time get some friends together like get inebriated and enjoy it that sounds fun i like probably will do that it's dumb as rocks it's the dumbest movie you'll see in your entire life perfect so i mean like this film over the years um has kind of i mean initially it wasn't received very well uh my understanding homicidal yeah yeah oh well yeah i mean it was most william castle movies were enjoyed by you know rowdy kids and and then Kind of everyone else kind of snubbed their nose at them. Yeah, well, I mean, rowdy kids them. are a great demographic to make movies yeah. for. Yeah, uh, they ended up becoming boomers. But I mean, for it's sure. since developed a cult following. Yes, for sure, and I think a lot of that is due to John Waters writing about it in Crackpot. His um, influence. I, 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 John I, Waters. I, I feel him. like it's not nearly as well known as William Castle's House on Haunted Hill, but that is probably mostly due to the fact that House on Haunted Hill fell into public domain so it's just been distributed more and also it had a house haunted hill got a remake i actually i like the remake a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah the remake was good i mean it's like fun it's fun yeah well i, mo- I mostly like that the character playing um vincent price's character is playing vincent price basically yes like totally. i thought that, that was a good creative choice well he also i mean actually specifically william william castle always has well, has Vincent Price play a guy who, like, has some weird, like, fucked up, like, like kind of, like, passive-aggressive relationship with his wife where they're, like, low-key trying to kill each other? <laughs> Which, I guess is just a Vincent Price. I wonder Price. if there's any projection there. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just low-key, like a, like, a Vincent Price trope where, like, in, like, a lot of the Poe movies, he's also, like... It's just always, like, he's, like, he's always, like, kind of sarcastically telling his wife he loves her, and then, like, they're, like, trying to kill each other, but then, like, it's, like, surface level being, like, I love you so much, but, like, having, like, daggers behind their their backs and stuff. I guess, oh, and also the Tingler. The Tingler and House on Haunted Hill are probably his two most well-known. I actually just saw the Tingler in theaters on Halloween, and they had all the original castle gimmicks with the vibrating... Well, I, you guys probably don't know about that gimmick. No, but you had us at vibrating. Keep going. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so the Tingler is about... Uh, I'm just trying to make it really brief. Basically, a scorpion that comes out of your spine when you're scared. What? <laughs> yeah, it's really insane. And it can only be killed by screaming. And it's basically like... In the <laughs> film, it's like there's a scientific there's a scientific basis for it. And basically what... Vincent Price is a scientist and he finds out that... Whenever you're scared, this this living organism that looks like a scorpion forms in your spine, and then you kill it when you scream, and then he basically plays all of these insane pranks on this woman who's deaf and dumb, because, so she can't scream, and then the tingler actually, like, comes out of her spine. What the fuck? And so the, the gimmick in the I'm film... I'm watching this as soon as we're done. The gimmick in the film is that the entire screen goes to black, and then Vincent Price's voice goes, the tingler is loose in the theater... Um, like oh really loud, like he like screams. <laughs> yes, it. And then holy shit! Your seats start vibrating, and I don't know if this was originally the case, but in the in the version I saw, they actually one planted audience members to like faint and like pretend to die, and also had like a fake tingler that was like on a string, like 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 plombing around. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And I and I got a picture. We need with more it. movies like this. Yeah. Holy shit! I want I want a resurgent of William Castle films. Just totally. Well, just that all they new tried gimmicks. to. They tried to do that. I mean, when the House of Haunted Hill remake came out, their plan was to do an entire new line of of William Castle like films that would like be like remakes and have the gimmicks. And then also the 1991 movie Popcorn is a movie about a bunch of teenagers that essentially, I mean, they're not William Castle movies, but they're William Castle movies. They put on a William Castle, like, film festival, but it's, like, it's a fake filmmaker, and the movies within it are fake. And then, of course, there's a real killer that starts killing people in the theater. Fuck, that's so good. Yeah. 
so if we want to go on to the next uh, thing, I wanted to kind of bounce off of this and say, like, obviously this movie has problems and wouldn't fly, but I really like the idea of a, you know, trans-centric revenge flick. So I'm wondering totally. like, if you, well, yeah. I mean, as our resident filmmaker, what would oh, yeah. you, how, how, do you, how do you think you would do something like that? Like, what do you think you would do that might, like, fly or land a little bit better? Well, I would do it like this, except make it even campier. Because if, if, yeah. if I'm going to do it, I want to play it up to, like, the most absurdist. I mean, I, I actually want to make a film called Compelled to Kill that's basically, like, a, a sort of a, a catch-all parody of both homicidal and... Um, Compulsion, which is a, a the another film, not not Rope, which is the most well known film. That was a Hitchcock film, but Compulsion is another film that's about the Leopold and Loeb murders, and it, it and it features Orson Welles as the a lawyer, and um, I want to, and that film is also to an extent. I mean, that's based on a true story, so it's a little darker, but it's mm-hmm. it's also very very campy and has a lot of like evil maniacal laughter in it, which I think is really funny. <laughs> And also tries yeah. to actually that'll be a good, another good movie to talk about because it it's Leopold and Loeb. I don't know if you guys know about them, but they were no they were these really crazed, sadistic kids who killed who killed a boy in cold blood, and they also had a gay relationship, and they were in an Ivy League college and thought that they were essentially so intellectually superior to normal people that they could kill someone and get away with it. Like, they wanted to commit the perfect murder for no reason other than to see if they could. Jesus. But Queer icons. What's funny, yeah, but what's funny is that all most of the films about them that were made from, like, the 40s and 50s um, danced around the fact that they were gay, or even to the extent yeah. where they won't, they tried to make it seem like they were, like, kind of, like, women, like, like ladies' guys, like, ladies' men. Um, and mm-hmm. it, that's especially present in Compulsion, which stars Dean Stockwell, by the way, from uh, Blue Velvet. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, like, kind of absurd because, like, one of the characters has, like, a girlfriend in it and it's just, like, it's just, like, it's, like, very silly. But, yeah, I kind of want to make a film that's sort of, like, a, a catch-all of, like, all kind of, like, very over-the-top, like, murder films from, like, the late 50s, early 60s. And, of course, there'd be, like, a really, really, like, absurd gimmick. Like, I'd want to actually have a gimmick that was, like, so complicated it was, like, impossible to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's the gimmick. Yeah, like, like the gimmick is, like, literally is, like, it, like, tells you to do things that are, like, physically impossible. (laughs) That's good. Or, like, or it's kind of, like, find, like, the piston, like, under your seat and, like, fire it and then, like, like, see, like, how far away it lands and then, like, write that number down, like, on your cue card. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a real, like, real 4D like, shit. Yeah, then maybe like actually have like a like a cue card, but the cue card is like it's like glossy paper, and like you like can't like write on it. Like it's like it just like, doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People just struggling, freaking out, trying to keep keep up. Yeah, and, it, and it's and it's like twenty steps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we actually just uh, finished watching, uh, uh, we just recently revealed the film Ticked Off Trainings with Knives, and so we were contemplating oh, making that. our own. Yeah, what did you think of that? That, that was a that was a special one. Yeah, you said you wanted to make your own movie about, yeah. of that? Oh, yeah, we, we wanted say- to do our own, we wanted to do our own revenge flick, uh, where it's, I think we had Ronald McDonald as a serial killer, uh, stalking people on the McBarge. You can't call him, I mean, if you want to actually make it, like, for real, you yeah. have to. You can't call him Ronald McDonald. <laughs> he has to be something Ronald else. McRonald. The, the burger clan. So I, I want to make a film actually about that's my own take on the do you, have you all seen the movie The Founder the Michael Keaton film? Oh, I know no. the one but I haven't watched it yet. It's it's actually really fucking good. It's just about the like fucked up guy that like franchised McDonald's and like stole it from the McDonald's brothers, but I want to make a film that's like that but like really insane and like bizarre and it's called The Clounder. <laughs> and in that and yeah. the film and I want the film to be like airplane in that the script is almost identical to The Founder except that clowns are basically slaves <laughs> <laughs> and my idea yeah. is the, and basically the idea is that like they're not like people wearing face paint but they're just like actually like clowns and they're like this like slave race and basically <laughs> and, and basically what what happens is that like it opens with like he like he like walks into the mcdonald's and they have this like really like stupid like like janitor that's like that is like ronald and he's like and he's like like sweeping up like 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 burger patties and they're just like 
and he's and and they're like wit- and they're like hitting him and being like like Ronald like you fucking suck like you're a fucking fool. <laughs> and then the guy who and then the guy who like actually and then the guy who actually like you know took the Francis and McDonald's brothers and made it into this huge thing go like has this like big and he's he's like observes it and then he like ha- I want him to have this like big like brainstorm where he's like where he like sees like all these like clowns being like let on like canes like to like clown jail and like and he has like this dream about like clowns and then the next day he comes and he's like guys i just have i just had the idea that's going to take us like into like like to be like into like the billions he's like what if we took like this like stupid idiot like like clown and had him and had him like instead of like being like your like slave who like has to like clean the toilet like with his like tongue like let's have him like actually like kind of like dance around and like entertain kids and like get them to like like eat Holy the food fuck. and they're just like what the hell like that like like why would anyone want to do that and he's like just try it out for a day <laughs> Holy shit! You've given this so much thought. I, yeah. I think. No, I I'm, have the whole script written. I am pretty sure that's how the insane clown posse started. Totally. <laughs> I was just gonna say this is the script for the new Minions movie. Oh, totally. Yeah, and then also, uh, I, that's spectacular. also, and also within the film, um, like if like calling someone a clown is essentially like the worst possible slur you could like call someone. <laughs> oh my god. And, and there's a scene, and so in the, because in the original, there's a there's a scene where, like, Laura Dern and Michael Keaton have, like, this really big fight, because Michael Keaton's, like, cheating on, because that's his wife in the film, and he's, like, cheating on her, and in the, so I want to make my own version where they're having the fight, and then she's like, you know what, you're just a big old clown, and Michael Keaton just, like, pauses for, like, 30 seconds, and then just, like, beats the living shit out of her. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh American God. History X level, like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> It's incredible brutality. Yeah, like it's like so fucked up. Oh my god. Hey, I will personally back this movie if it ever gets made. Yeah, I guess I'd have to see the legalities, but I'm hoping like under parody law I might actually be able to make this. Oh my god. That is fucking brilliant. I I almost want to end the episode there, but we should probably we should give our final verdicts. Hold on. Well, I was I was wondering, Dylan, what did you think of Ticked Off Chinese with Knives? Because I just watched it. Um, I mean, I watched it when I was in ninth grade, and I was essentially just like trying to find like anything that had like trans characters in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is that that movie actually like made me like kind of like. That was like kind of the first time I had seen, I guess, anything even close to trans women in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, and I think some, I think some of the characters were played by drag queens, but others were actually yeah. played like by I trans think it, women. As far as I know, it was just um, Willem was like the only. Uh, oh okay. Or like maybe some background characters, but yeah, like that's kind of what we thought. Where it was like, it definitely has like a lot of problems, and even as a movie, it's kind of a mess. But also, like, it wasn't a hundred percent bad like it was actually kind of tight at points yeah i mean i guess at the time i was like wow like it's pretty cool that there's like a like a movie about like like trans people like trans ladies or like at the time i probably just thought they were called trannies like mm-hmm. yeah like like actually like kind of like like getting revenge on like the bad guys and i think at the time yeah, I was it like, was like i was like it's kind of it's kind of kind of like a stupid movie but it's like pretty like great and i think also I think it was the first time I had seen something that, like, had, like, kind of, like, trans characters that were, they weren't just, like, drag queens or, like, it wasn't just, like, they kind of, like, take off, like, a wig yeah. or something. So I was just, mm-hmm. like, and I actually, I, like, kind of right after that, I watched, because, like, when I was 14 it was kind of when I first started, like, kind of realizing I was, like, trans and, like, started experimenting with androgyny and had, like, sort of, like, you know, like, the emo phase and stuff. And, um, yeah. And, um, As you do. Yeah. And um, sort of after that, I think I like tried to watch like RuPaul's Drag Race because I thought it would kind of be like that. And then when I saw them like taking their like wigs off and stuff, and that they were actually just kind of like guys, I I was just like really really like upset. Yeah. Yeah, because that's not like representation of trans women, and it actually like makes you feel worse. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about in drag because dra- they don't really do that in in. Yeah ticked off trannies as i believe like it's kind of like they're just like they just kind of are like that like all the time yeah well even even the even the one that's played by a drag queen is like at least coded to be a trans woman like yeah Yeah, there's no there's no taking off drag 
um, in that movie. Yeah, Even though so, they are kind of presented as drag queens, like, yeah, sort of so, aesthetically, they don't so take it off. I guess as a kid, after seeing that, I kind of felt that, like, trans women and drag queens, I mean, I guess most people felt that, but, like, I thought that, like, that's, like, yeah. how it was, regardless, mm-hmm. was that you basically, it was just, like, full-time, like, you, like, were always kind of dressed like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, that's why when I saw Drag Race, I got, like, really, I actually got, like, really upset. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think... And I was like, oh, my God, like... I guess I'm like just like a fucking like idiot who like wants to like dress like this all the time. Yeah, that's uh, that's I I've, I think everybody's gone through that at least uh, a little bit. One day we'll review RuPaul on this on the show. Yeah, um, but, I, but I like guess. I was gonna say like this kind of reminds me of like it just it seems like there is a space in the market for a campy trans revenge flick. Is this the problem? Is that it keeps getting made by cis dudes? Or, like, the only other thing I can think of is um, Tangerine, which is, like, you know, a much more, a very, a very was, uh, Dylan, have you seen Tangerine? I have not. Okay, because I forget, that's one that was, like, um, about, like, you know, trans sex workers, if I remember yeah. correctly, getting revenge on, like, a pimp, and it's all, like, super low budget, um, it's a lot more straight face though, so I think that, yeah, and that but that, it, did, it did well, like, as a... Um, like film of that type as like a sort of low budget um, art artsy film. So I think there is a place in the market for a fun like revenge like totally. film by and for like or like at least by and starring trans women. Yeah, totally. I mean, well, it wasn't made by trans women. Which one? Tangerine wasn't made by oh. a trans woman. Oh, it wasn't. Okay, well, that was it. It. it no, it was made by a guy who also directed the Florida uh, Project. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, that, I just maybe it's just because I remember it being good. If that's that movie why. Was, it, if that movie was made by a trans woman, it wouldn't have played in all the film festivals. Oh, that's a good point. That's it would not have been as successful if it was. No, it has to have at least some sort of voyeuristic quality to it to actually become an indie success. Yeah, but it definitely felt a lot better than like the uh, than like some of these other movies we've been talking about so yeah speaking of representation uh what did we feel about the representation in this film like how did it, how did everyone feel about the food about the film about the actresses all that kind of stuff what are our um um i like it um and i think it's it's really fun i mean obviously like don't show that to someone and be like this is like what trans women yeah. are but, like, <laughs> i would like watch it and be like this is like i think it's like fun to watch if you're like pretty secure enough in your identity to where you're like this is like fucking like great yeah yeah i yeah. yeah i agree um i mean speaking as the heir to an enormous estate who transitioned <laughs> oh, yeah. in order to create an alternate identity and murder everyone who has ever seen my deck um, <laughs> oh, totally. i do relate quite intensely to the main character um but I, I get that like most people might not and that like as a trans narrative it's not necessarily great representation, broadly speaking. Um, yeah. I thought uh, it was fun. I, I thought that, like, I liked that, especially for the era, like I was saying, that it's Okay, not... here's, well, here's, here's my final thoughts, is that I like it because it's not trying to, it's not like this bullshit we have now where it's trying to portray itself as, like, liberal and progressive. Because mm-hmm. I feel like what we're yeah. having now is movies that are almost the same amount of stupid, but, in, but they're trying to pass themselves off as something more than a cheap, exploitation grab you know yeah at the time they were trying to you know at the time there was you know christine jorgensen just happened and they were trying to you know do a rip from the headlines thing but they weren't trying to say this is going to help the lgbt community and having these people you know winning oscars and saying this is yeah. for you know this is for the underrepresented and the marginalized because it's never been for that yeah yeah it's never been that. like one of the first movies that we did was Girl, and that was a miserable hiss. That was a miserable exploitation film about the suffering of trans people for like cis people, and like that's. I've yeah, never even heard of that. And oh, I'm, I'm glad I. I yeah, no, I it's yeah, one of the yeah. worst. It'll be like the worst experience of your life, and it won a lot of awards. Hands down, worst one of the yeah. worst films I've seen ever, just as a film. And that's a good point. Is that they, like it's it's. Even when there is problematic stuff, it feels less cynical. Well, yeah, and totally. like the the liberal movies that are just like trying to pass themselves off as progressive. No, um, it's not. They're just like a, they're just all exploitation films. So at, yeah. at least just at least just if you're gonna make something like one of my favorite movies is Forbidden Zone, and um, 
and you know that has one of the most offensive portrayals I feel of a of a trans woman but it's but it's it's so great it's so funny and it's it's not trying to pretend to be this like Oscar bait bullshit it's 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 just it's just high camp so mm-hmm. it's it's great it's I'm adding great. adding forbidden zone to the lit to our to-do yeah. list Perfect. yeah it's like at least it's honest well, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not trying to be something more than it uh, than it isn't, and I mean, like that's I mean that's half the joy of B movies, anyways. Like as a genre, it's just like it's fun for the sake of fun. I mean, like yeah, I think this sure. film is yeah. Do I think this film is necessarily good representation? No, like I like whoever was saying earlier, like I wouldn't take this to a friend and be like, yeah, this is exactly what it's like. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some parallels. Like for example, I mean, I would. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I got, yeah. I mean, sure. intimidating the elderly is trans culture, and yeah. Uh, yeah. that was that was that was definitely uh, there uh, front and center. So I mean, like it's. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, just like the the woman just banging on her thing and just just like. Okay, boomer. Pushes her down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Emily said, "Okay, boomer." <laughs> even even though technically Emily is the boomer in the. Yeah, but I mean, like I think like the no, thing boomer is like... has a mindset, and <laughs> Emily did not have a boomer mindset. Emily had had the zoomer mindset of elder abuse and gender fuckery. One other fun movie fact: the actress who played Emily was originally supposed to be the mom in the monsters and they shot an unaired pilot which you can actually watch online that was in color and she's oh. the mom and then they and then i think they they got a, the, a more famous actress to play her once it got picked up uh, actually i wanted to say that like i, I actually want to change my my answer from earlier i actually think this film is good representation but on a in, in a serious way um and i yeah. think it's good representation in the fact that it's just fun like the uh yeah it's for sure one of my favorite things going on right now with uh, television in terms of queer rep on there is characters who are queer, but it's not really a large part of the storyline. Like it's acknowledged. I think of like Brooklyn nine, nine or the good place. Yeah. Um, and this is like one of those situations that I don't think it was by design um, because, but like in its, in its efforts to not be woke, it ended up being woke because yeah, this person was crazy and they're also transgender. Um, but it, again, totally. it was never the focus of that 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 person was ba- like crazy yeah. because they were transgender. So well, they weren't crazy because yeah. they, were just, they, were they were crazy, crazy and because, trans. Exactly, they were crazy that, because they were you know vying for power and money. Yeah, and that because and and part is the big determining factor. So I mean, like I I actually totally. would, I would consider this film like maybe not like hey this is trans people, but I would say still it's good representation because. Like we're like if I feel like I want to see something myself in this, it's just like it feels like this part of me and everything else is like all in this madness with a bunch of other stuff, uh, and it's just totally. fun. Like I enjoyed it. So yeah, I would say yeah, yeah like, this film is actually good representation. It's like would you go boy mode for a couple of years to secure an enormous fortune? Hell yes, <laughs> I would absolutely do that. And then commit some itself. murders. <laughs> I just want to go back to an unrealistic time where uh, hotel rooms were like five dollars a night. That would be yo awesome. true. Yeah, yeah, and where like the the hotel boy like brings <laughs> you ice and flirts with you and gets married to you that same night. The fifties were an amazing time. You can buy strychnine over the counter. <laughs> <laughs> that um strychnine scene had like where the pharmacist was like, oh, this is I. Like, just shocked by the prescription, but just hands it over anyway. <laughs> Had big going to the pharmacy to, fill, like, fill your HRT prescription energy. Yeah. <laughs> or the pharmacist just doesn't understand, but, like... I guess I'll give you this. Remember the first time you had to go get HRT and then it's just like, maybe it was just me and I'm projecting, but it was just that moment. They're like, what do you need the, uh, the estrogen for? I'm like, um, uh, foot cramps. Oh, I, I had that one where I was like, oh yeah, I have to take this, uh, blood pressure medication for a thing. And they're like, oh, is it high blood pressure or low blood pressure? Um, yes. No. Enough. I, not enough <laughs> blood pressure. Both. I have both too much and too little. Give me my, sp- <laughs> now give me my Spyro, please. <laughs> Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much. Um, is there anything you want to plug, uh, by the way, before we uh, we give our final goodbyes? Oh, um, so I have a feature film that's currently out on Amazon Video that's called Reagitator, Revenge of the Parody. That's my homage to um, B-movies from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And um, yeah. I have a film that is going to be coming out soon that's called Spirit Riser. And... Um, stars Shuri Curry from The Runaways, Kate Bornstein, and Michael Madsen. Oh, I love Kate Bornstein and, so much. Yeah, she's she's great. She plays God in the film. 
We just shot her scene. Just like she, she also plays God in real life, so. True, yeah. And um, I have a short film that I was been working on for two years that we just finished called The Bathtub that stars Bob Burt, the drummer from Sonic Youth, and that is going to be hitting the festival circuit soon. Um, and also my band Theophobia, our PBS special, just came out. So you can, if you want to see some of my music, you can check out uh, we can check us out, check out my band Theophobia and check out our um, we're Theophobia on Instagram and, and Facebook and you can find the link to our um, PBS special there. It's on PBS.org. Yeah. It's, it's now streaming on PBS.org. Nice. We'll throw some of these links in the podcast description too. Yeah. Okay, great. Perfect. For sure. And that'll be great. Perfect. Well, so check those yeah. out, everybody. Yeah, please do. Uh, support, support. Uh, thank you again, Dylan, uh, for coming thank on you. the show. Thank you uh, so yeah. much for coming on for the Our very first story. time. Yep. Uh, okay. And uh, thank you for uh, doing this live on location in the cafe. We're uh, doing it live. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> We're um, doing it live! <laughs> uh, I, actually, I actually had to meet Bill O'Reilly one time. And it was really Wait, bad. what? Okay, no, my oh, dad used to work. My dad used to work for Fox News, and he actually gave me a copy of like his like weird-ass like culty kids book, and he was like, you'll love this. Oh god. Oh god. Like he was like doing the like youth pastor thing of like kinda of, like bending down, like going backwards on a chair and being like, How you doing, like little child? Oh Christ. Oh, Wait, Matt, don't you don't you have a fucking Bill O'Reilly um No, it's not story? Bill O'Reilly, it's what is, what is that di- guy he looks like Colonel Sanders now? What's Rush Limbaugh? No, 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 no. The uh the, no, the guy was, like it's Oh, uh Glenn something. Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck. Yes, yeah. Glenn Beck, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that uh my my parents uh bought me uh Glenn Beck Christmas books. Uh I think there's like one or two of them. Take take All us right. out, Madeline. Yeah. So, anyways, um, oh yeah. Also, too, I don't think we should do the what we're doing this week unless we're doing anything anymore. So that way we can just kind of skip over that. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Okay. Um. Perfect. So, <laughs> thank I'm, you. Yeah. No Thank problem. you so much for sparing me. <laughs> this is a gift. Uh, I'm just like I'm Amy at Lavender Ashtray on Twitter. I am just alive, <laughs> and you should all be proud of me. <laughs> you fucking assholes. <laughs> All right, I'm Madeline Hops. I am at rabbit underscore is dead on Twitter and Twitch. I also run the website I'minacult.com, which features a webcomic I'm now working on. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I'm Ree Carter at R-H-A-R-H-I-C-A-R-T-E-R. I'm playing lots of Pokemon. Yeah, I'm Amy at Lavender Ashtray on Twitter. Um, you, you could just leave it there. You don't have to say anything We did it again. <laughs> you said we weren't going to do this, and then we did it. <laughs> And again, we would like to thank our special guest, Dylan, for coming on. Um, Dylan had to go to the phone call, so... Um, yeah, again, follow, follow her on everything, and we'll post everything everywhere. And there's movies and music and all everything. Go support queer content creators. And we love you all, and we will see you all in another week. Okay, bye! Bye! Bye-bye!